Welcome to the Outthinker Podcast. Each week, we talk with forward-looking strategists and innovators that are challenging the status quo, leading the future of business, and shaping our world. I'm your host, Kyan Krippendorf, founder of the Outthinker Strategy Network. Dave Ulrich is a professor at the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan and the co-director of Michigan's Human Resource Executive Program. He is one of the most influential thought leaders in the area of HR, organizational design, and leadership, having written over 30 books on those topics. His teaching and research address the question, how do people create organizations that add value for customers? Dave studies how organizations change, build capabilities, learn, remove boundaries, and leverage human resources activities. He is known for continually learning, turning complex ideas into simple solutions, and creating real value to those he works with in three fields, organization, leadership, and human resources. He has helped generate multiple award-winning databases that assess alignment between strategies, human resource practices, and HR competencies. Dave has been ranked the number one management educator and guru by Business Week, selected by Fast Company as one of the 10 most innovative and creative leaders, and named the most influential person in HR by HR Magazine for three years. Some of his most well-known books include Tomorrow's HR Management, Human Resource Champions, Results-Based Leadership, The Leadership Code, and HR Transformation, Building Human Resources from the Outside In. In this book, he discusses whether culture can actually be changed. Is it nature or nurture? Three drivers that you should consider to link your culture to your strategy. And the way we usually think of culture as values or patterns of behavior is actually limiting and how we should be thinking of it instead. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Ulrich. Dave, thank you so much for being here. Already, our audience knows quite a bit about you, certainly has read some of your books. But to help us get to know you a little bit personally, I'd love for you to complete this sentence for me. If you really know me, you know that. Kaihan, thank you. What a privilege to join you as well and to share with you some ideas that I hope will have impact on others. If you really get to know me, you'll know that two things. I am committed to learning. Number two, that creates value for others. Learning that helps others is my passion, it's my agenda, and it has been for decades. Mm, great. I know that your domain is within people and not solely within strategy, but you've been there in the intersection of strategy and organization. So I asked this question of everyone on the podcast and I get a different answer every time. What is your definition of strategy? My sense is strategy has two elements. One, winning or succeeding in the marketplace, outside in. Strategy is not what we know and do. It's how what we know and do allows us to succeed with our customers, our investors, our communities. So for me, the first element of strategy is what is it we do that enables us to succeed in the marketplace? The second dimension of strategy for me is how do we do something unique? How do we differentiate? What is it we do to differentiate so that we succeed in the marketplace? Because if we don't differentiate, we're a commodity and that's not a strategic advantage. So in my world, number one, I work in the human capability, human resource area. I say HR is not about HR. HR is about succeeding in the marketplace. Number two, through talent, organization, leadership. And so that's the differentiation in my field that helps us succeed in the marketplace. For example, in my field, it's not about building a culture. It's about creating a culture that helps us succeed with our customers. 
And so it's not having a culture of values and norms. It's not the roots of the tree that everybody talks about. But if I'm a strategist, I want to build a culture inside my firm that reflects the brand promises I make to my customers and investors and communities. And the right culture in the marketplace brought inside the company will help us succeed going forward. That's my definition of strategy and where I think the human resource or human capability world melds with that. I love that because strategy for me, at least, is ultimately what you do, not what you say. And what you do is informed by culture. I have a bunch of questions about that. We could dig into that, but I want to make sure you've written 30 books or more than 30 books. And so there are so many topics that you've touched on. Of all the topics and work that you've done, what would you say you are most well known for? What's been most adopted? I love the idea of value is defined by the receiver. It's been a premise for decades and it's already shown up in our conversation. It's not what I know and do. It's how what I know and do helps others do their work better. Here's some examples. Good leadership is not about your power. It's how your power enables you to empower others. You don't build on your strengths. You build on your strengths to strengthen others. In my field of organization, I call it human capability that includes talent, organization, leadership. The success is not what you know and do. It's how what you know and do helps others do their work better. And so that mindset of creating value for others through what we know and do permeates. It affects talent. Are we hiring people who customers will be delighted by? It affects organizations. We talked about culture. Are we building an internal culture that will cause others to come do business with us? Leadership. We did a book called Leadership Brand. The successful leader embodies the brand of the company. And so that idea of value is defined by the receiver. Now, let me tell you where I learned it. I've been in a relationship. I've been married over 45 years. When I give my wife a gift, she defines the value of the gift. Early in our relationship, decades ago, I get her tickets to a sporting event. And her very kind comment was, enjoy yourself. (laughs) Then for a number of years, this is more personal, a number of years, I get her a dozen roses. And about the third year that I got her a dozen roses on Valentine's Day, her birthday, she said, Dave, I bet you have a standing account at the floral shop. And I bet your secretary calls in the reminder. And I thought, uh, no, not at all. (laughs) And I realized the roses did not communicate to her the affection I feel. So value in any relationship is not what we know and do. It's how what we do is received by other people. By the way, it's kind of scary. That's a simple idea that's created 30 books. But that idea just permeates all of our thinking, all of our thinking. So what would you suggest a strategist do with that insight? I have people come to me and they say, I want to start a company. I've got a great idea. Well, strategy is turning a great idea into action as you've done so well in your work. My first comment to the strategist is look outside in. What's the external market you're trying to solve with that idea? And do you move ahead of where the market is outside in? Will your idea help a customer today and tomorrow solve a problem they didn't even know they had? Will it give investors confidence in your future? Will it make you a part of the community that allows you to reflect values and ethics? Start outside in. Somebody called me and said, I have a latest and greatest app on wellness for employees. And I said, what's the value of that app for your customers? What's the value of that app for the investors in a company? What's the value of that app for the community reputation? And the person said, well, I've just created a great app. And I said, I don't see the value of it yet. Strategy is not about what we know and do. The first definition of strategy is, will it create value for someone else? And then the second question is, what do I bring that's unique that nobody else has got? Do I bring a better product? Do I bring better access to finance? Is it cheaper? Do I bring better access to technology? 
artificial intelligence, machine learning, or do I bring better access to human capability? That's my area. And for me, human capability is three things, talent, organization, and leadership. Do I have better talent, organization, and leadership so that the customer gets value from what I do? So let's say a strategist starts outside in, they identify what the market needs and how we create value. They look at talent organization leadership and they see what needs to be tweaked or changed or reinvented. Is there a checklist of like leverage points or drivers that you can look at to start shaping talent organization and leadership? Thank you, Kaihan, for the question, because we've done so many books on that. I get criticized. I wrote a book on learning capability, and I love research. I love theory that explains why. I love research that tells you what to do, and then experience that says how to do it. One of the leading thinkers in the learning world, and I probably shouldn't say his name, wrote back a comment. We asked him to endorse a book as you've had endorsements, and it was a funny story. He said, Dave, I can't endorse your book. It's research-based with 500 companies, but it's too practical. So I wrote back to him, and I said, given that you said this, could I put that on the cover? (laughs) I can't endorse it. It's too practical. I said, given that you're the one who said this, and I won't say the individual's name, I'd like to put that on the cover. I love practical ideas. My mantra in that book, by the way, on learning, I haven't thought about that book in decades, was ideas with impact. A, you got to have great ideas. You got to have insights. You got to have fresh thinking. B, they got to have impact. In my world today, I used to really focus on ideas and blazing lights, neon lights, ideas, 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 what's fresh, what's new. Now I'm finding the blazing lights are the impact. Ideas are easier than impact. And impact means what can I do to make this happen? My final comment, and I know we don't have a lot of time, but this is so powerful for me. The impact that we try to create in our field, in strategy, in marketing, in finance, and in organization has been benchmarking. How do I compare to someone else? And so you get a little survey, you're in the 80th percentile and here's where you are. Or two, they'd say, who's a best practice? Who should I go learn from? Who's the luminary firm? Or three, predictive analytics. What do they do? I believe that those are great foundations, but they're not what you need as a strategist. Benchmarking, how do I compare? Best practice, who's good? Predictive analytics, what are they doing? We are now trying to move our field forward to what we call guidance. Guidance says, what can you do in your firm to get the results you care about? I love for strategists to move beyond benchmarking. How do I compare? How does my differentiation compare with somebody else? Best practice. Who's the best at machine learning? Who's the best at artificial intelligence, digital transformation, predictive analytics? What did they do? I'd rather say, given the results I want to accomplish with the employees, with the strategic reinvention, with customers, investors, communities, what should I do in strategy? And how do I get guidance to guide me in my world? The metaphor for me is a simple one, dieting. Benchmark, how much should I weigh? And by the way, I've been up and down on that yo-yo for decades. Best practice, people come to me and say, Dave, let me tell you how to lose weight. Let me tell you what worked for me. And I now look at them and say, I am so glad that worked for you. But guidance, what's going to work for me? And until I get strategy or human capability or finance into personal guidance, it becomes an abstraction, not an action. And we are trying so hard to get our field in strategy, in organization, in marketing to really focus less on benchmarking, best practice, predictive analytics, guidance for impact to deliver the results that I care about. Got it. So there are a number of things that people often get wrong. You've listed several. What else do people usually get wrong? 
you know, I think we look at the past as prologue. In our field, there's a lot of work on after action review, grit, resilience, learning. And look at the assumption behind all of those. They're looking backward. We're taping this right now, and it may be listened to in a different time, but we're coming out of 2020 and 21, the biggest crises of most of our generations, the COVID crisis, the racial crisis, the technology crisis. Look back. What did I learn? Well, part of the problem of looking back assumes that the future is much like the past. I believe the future may not be the past. So I love to look back to learn, but I love to anticipate forward to create. And sometimes the creation is not building off the past. It's creating something brand new. AI. AI is such a different way of thinking about using information to guide decisions. I don't need to look back in the past at what I did with AI because what I did wasn't true. I need to look at the context, the line we love to use. Content is the king or the queen. We got to have great content. Context is the kingdom in which the content works. And so one of the mistakes we often make in strategy is to say past is prologue. It's not. Past may not be the prologue for the next context. So look outside in. What's the next context? And then how do I build the content in that new kingdom to be the king or the queen to make it work? I think that's a common mistake. The other common mistake is we get seduced by events. I know strategists never get seduced by events. The human resource do. In human resources, we love the latest shiny object. Do away with performance appraisal. Do this career plan. Do this latest appraisal system. Shiny objects don't create sustainability. They're events. Yeah, there's an event when the COVID crisis hit. Get people a place at home to work now that the COVID crisis is ending. Get people back to hybrid work. Those are events. I think in HR, and again, I can't speak for strategy like you can, we get seduced by the latest shiny object, the foo-foo, the fad. Look beyond it. It's not about a fad. It's about an underlying principle that creates a pattern. Hybrid work. How do we help employees stay engaged at work? That's not a fad. That's a pattern. And what are the fundamental principles that drive that sustainable change? Again, and I've got to ask, are there any fads in strategy that are kind of, oh, here's the latest, greatest tool? Sure, sure, absolutely. You know, strategy is a series of fads, sustainable competitive advantage to temporary advantage to resource-based competition. It's just a series of fads. By the way, those fads are important, but if you can string together the string of pearls and say, what's the pattern? What's the principle? For example, hybrid work. Guess what? People are going to work at home. Uh, Here's a shock. They've worked at home before. So what's the principle? How do I get my people to give their best efforts? Well, that's a principle and it doesn't matter where they're working to make that happen. And I hope in strategy, we are not seduced by the shiny objects, but that we see the patterns that are built on a powerful set of principles that move us forward. Understood. Yeah. I have so many other questions, but we're approaching the top of our time with you. So I'm going to limit it to two. I see you as an adventurer, a learner that you are discovering, and you certainly must have changed your mind about things. What's something that you changed your mind about? (laughs) I've changed my mind about some things and I've kept some things the same. I believe in the potential of humans. I haven't changed my mind about that. But what I've learned is that human needs vary over time. We have to personalize our needs to people. We have to move people. I've also learned, my mentor taught me when I was in school many years ago, organizations don't think people do. So really focus on people. I've changed my mind. Organizations don't think people do, but the organization shapes how people think and act. Our research shows, and it's fascinating, in the human resource field, everybody says it's all about people. People are our most important asset. Well, I love now in our research that says, yes, we've got to have great talent, people, workforce, but even more, we've got to have a great organization. And if we don't create the right organization, the workplace and the culture, we're not going to be successful. 
Individuals can be champions, but teams win championships. That shows up again and again and again. As a strategist, do I have the right people to make this strategy happen? Great question. Could you also ask, do I have the right organization, the right culture, the right workplace? Because we believe that workplace will actually outlive the people. And I've changed my mind on that. I've also changed my mind a little bit. And by the way, I haven't made it up. The first book I wrote was called Organizational Capability. And we defined the dynamic capabilities that everybody's picked up on competing from the inside out. If I build it, they will come. The last book we wrote was called Outside In. So where do you start to build the right organization? Do you start inside with our core competencies? I had the incredible privilege and strategists will all genuflect for a moment of having C.K. Prahalad as a mentor. I was a young professor at Michigan. He brought me into the executive team. A quick anecdote that may or may not be relevant. We had the five faculty teaching our executives at the University of Michigan. He was the the godfather. We were ranked number one executive program. They called it CK and the PIP. (laughs) I was a PIP. And he sat down with me and he said, Dave, you're going to teach the organization leadership piece. What's your point of view? And I said, here's the research. And he said, I didn't ask for the research. What's your point of view that will help an executive develop theirs? And I said, here's the research. He did something incredibly helpful and challenging. He turned nice. He said, oh, thank you for being on the team. And he walked out. And I knew that was a bit of an insult because I didn't have a point of view that would shape executive point of view. So I worked at it. I worked at it. A year later, I said, CK, come on in. Here's my point of view about organization is capability beyond your core competence model, which is technology-based. You've got to move beyond, CK. It's not technology, it's social. Beyond individual talent. Strategy is not about where you're headed, it's how you get there. CK, I have a point of view about leadership, talent, organization. And he said, I disagree. And we argued. And at the end of 20 minutes, he stood up and he put his arm around. And he said, welcome to the team. Ah, beautiful. What an incredible mentor. And for those in the strategy field, I owe much of my thinking to CK. CK would teach. He'd take out a sheet of paper and he'd say, what's your challenge? And he'd just create in front of a group of 60 people. Your challenge is innovation, getting products out quicker in whatever industry you're in. Let's work through a solution. I call that learning solution. By the way, I've tried to do it. I couldn't do it. I've worked at it in teaching. Don't teach what the research says, what's your challenge and how do I help you solve that problem? That's my passion. And CK taught me by word and by deed. One of the greatest tragedies in our field is CK passed away much too early. He had so, so much to offer. Yeah. He influenced so many people. I have many questions, but I think we only have time for one more. What are you working on now and how can people engage with you? I've written 30 books. What I find is books often get put on the shelf. I've decided about two years ago, I want to have focus groups where I learn. LinkedIn has become my focus group. I post every Tuesday on LinkedIn. That sounds easy. That's really hard. I got to post a new article every Tuesday on LinkedIn. And I get comments and I don't care where they're from. I don't look at title. I don't look at responses. I look at somebody had a good challenge to my idea. And so I am on LinkedIn and it's become my focus group to push ideas. I actually really like that. The ideas come from around the world. And I've never looked at titles. I've looked at the world of ideas. The one we're looking at now, and I uh, I could do too much with this, and we could do a whole session. I think now is the time for human capability. It's a quote from Martin Luther King when he did his I Have a Dream speech. We see intangibles becoming a bigger part of market value. We see the SEC in the United States putting out a human capital part of their 10K report. We see corporate directors looking at culture. I think we've got to find a way to give guidance, what I talked about, to the human capability phenomena. 
And right now we don't have frameworks for it. It's kind of like decades ago, you'd eat food, vegetables, fruit, bread. We didn't have the four food groups. We didn't have a topology that organized our thinking. I am in the process of creating that topology with my colleagues. What goes into this human capability issue? So that when a strategist says, we're going to build a strategy based on geographic expansion and innovation of products, what are the human capability issues we have to manage to make it happen? I'm in the process of trying to create that capability that will give guidance, not just benchmarking, not just best practice, not analytics, but guidance of where we can invest in human capability to make good outcomes happen. That's a big ambition. It's a big ambition. We've got a website, rbl.ai, where you can do a survey. We've had 2,000 companies do the survey, rbl.ai, and we'll give you a report. It's free. We're giving this sucker away. That's not the right (laughs) word. We're giving this insight away because we want to build a deep and a wide lake that strategists, business leaders, marketing leaders can draw to shape their human capability investments. Wow. Well, thank you for doing that work. Thank you for the work that you've done because it's impacted strategists, leaders, and anyone that is a human here working in an organization. And also thank you for scratching the surface with us here. Highly encourage people to go to rbl.ai and connect with Dave on LinkedIn and start reading his work. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. What a privilege. Thank you to our guests. Thank you to our producers, Karina Reyes and Zach Ness, our editor and the rest of the team. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. I'm your host, Kaihan Krippendorf. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week with another episode of Outthinkers.